0: The gig pod.
1: Well I'm smiling from a Manchester United viewpoint, Champions League nearly in the bag but Man City will be really disappointed, they didn't look like the team that had won 14 on the track
0: Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now
1: The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury
0: A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support
1: Top
2: goal! It's
1: what dreams are made of They are going to the World Cup
2: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and I am joined by former Ireland internationals Emma Byrne and P-Man captain Karen Duggan. Now, there was no WSL this weekend as the stage was set for the big FA Cup final between Chelsea and Manchester United. It was United's first appearance at the stage while Chelsea were going for their three in a row. A record 77,390 people turned out to watch them. And while it may not have been exactly a classic, they were treated to a Sam Kerr backflip. So, you know, it wasn't all bad for United fans on the day. We will have full analysis from the game shortly and then a little bit later on we'll be turning our attention to matters closer to home with a special guest, Alana Kanan, joining us to take a look at the women's premier division as we're kind of roughly at the halfway stage. There's about one more game to go over at the halfway stage, but we'll accept it for now. Uh, the Koyang podcast on RTE Sports is brought to you by Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Before we dive into the football that was happening, I, of course, have to inquire as to how both your weekends were and if there is anything inciting that you can tell me about uh, that will provide me with either ammo to tease you with for the rest of the podcast or just generally give us something to talk about.
1: Now for me, Emma, you're up. I actually some can glass.
0: Uh when you this gives me anxiety because I know it's only yesterday but I actually can't remember the weekend that's how entertaining my weekends are I know it was raining all weekend in Rome so I spent half of the weekend
2: complaining about the weather that's for sure um, and it's a rare time where I was home in Sligo and the sun was splitting the trees and I was like, this is lovely. There's no better place than the west coast of Ireland when the yeah, weather is. Yeah, you see,
0: there, there's nothing worse when you live abroad and you hear there's nice weather back home because that's what like gives me joy knowing that I'm not living in a rainy country anymore. It's the only thing that like I don't miss. So when you guys have sun, it's it's horrible. It's just horrible for me. I just want to go home um but yeah just complain about the weather here long long walks with the dogs and um, i said that word way too loud now ears are standing up Um, and that's it that was my weekend so karen i'm sure
1: yours was a far more interesting than mine nothing that can be said on the podcast so let's move right along when he passes that <laughs> <out>. that's a <laughs> very boring very boring weekend enjoyed the sun Visited some friends. Actually, I'm blaming the sun for my performance at the weekend. But look, we'll move on from that. Are you a little bit sunburned? Actually? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Emma, have haven't you... seen sun in about twelve years since about the Cyprus Cup. That's the last time I saw sun. <laughs> Darn serious vitamin D deficiencies here.
0: Oh, you see, that's that's what we kept hanging on for. Those Cyprus Cup yeah. every year going into this in March yeah. <laughs> Not retirement just yet. Another year. Want to go Cyprus? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Don't sound like nice life. Kathleen. Yeah, I was just home for the weekend, and I actually didn't really do anything all that exciting at the weekend. I went to Bruce Springsteen last Tuesday. I was one of the thousands of Irish
1: in the rest of the country. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh, I have a limited to no interest or knowledge of many out of or any Bruce songs. Um, <laughs> but ended up there, got soaked like five times, which was. Yeah, of that will make Emma feel better. The perfect yeah, way. Yeah, that's what
1: I like to hear. Yeah, yeah. she was miserable. So are you happy now, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Born in the USA. That's about it. My dad, my brother was going to the concert and my dad was like, what songs does he sing? And I was like, eh, born in the USA. And then that was it.
1: <laughs> I was like, was like that. No. I, you know, I went years ago and he was in Nolan Park in Kilkenny and everyone was absolutely going stone mad for them. the the bowling alley down in Kilkenny is still a shrine to his visit about in 2013 <laughs> which will tell you how much else is going on in Kilkenny but uh yeah there's some diehards out there but I'm
0: sure oh, it's a yeah. show anyway oh yeah sure i was back in Leakslip when he was playing when the nights and all everybody kept saying to me did you hear he was down in the pub there in Rathangan having a drink and i was like i did no. hear that <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do with that information. People say
1: that about you when you're down in the pub as well. Did you? I
0: know they're it's so very used, rare. They're, they're so used to fun. seeing me in the pub it's, it's old news.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is the motto from this entire chat that we all had plenty of time to actually watch the football that was happening at the weekend, aka the FA Cup, which Karen mm. so unlucky. Played so well for like a good hour and then just slipped through your fingers. Uh, Yeah,
1: but do you know what? When they didn't score in the first half, I knew Chelsea were going to win because the pressure they were putting on and the way they were closing down the space and the hassling and Harry and I was like, this is their purple patch in the first half. And to not take advantage of it, I was like, well, Chelsea are just going to come out and get something in the second half. They played well, like you said, for an hour. But I just kind of thought now i know they're professional athletes but i kind of thought the big occasion the big pitch and the amount of running and energy they were expending in that first half to not get a, not reap any rewards from it was going to cost them in the end and when they were pushing for a goal i know they had one chance but even russo's attempt was very leggy um and they they just didn't have the answers when they went one down uh unfortunately because like I say yeah it it showed that they have bridged the gap a bit but chelsea chelsea so
2: um, well, you think about it, like they lost, they conceded 10 goals to Chelsea last season yeah. in two games. And then this season, they've only conceded 11 in total in the entire league. So like, you can definitely see the progress. So instead of losing 4-2 or whatever it was, they're now losing 1-0 to two Sam Kerr chances that came rel- well made at the time. Yeah. But also kind of against the run of play.
1: Yeah, completely. And like as much as you get caught up in the occasion and thinking that they're top of the league and going for the FA Cup, you have to as well remember that Chelsea have won this three years in a row and three years ago, United were having their first season in the WSL. You know, they'd just come up. So, I mean, it's it's a huge amount of progress. The only problem is now is that all eyes are on them and a couple of those star performers are possibly going to leave in the transfer window. So you're wondering, was this their chance? But I don't think so. I think that United are becoming... Um, An attractive place. The crowd that they brought was fantastic. Um, But Chelsea showed why, I guess, they know how to win titles even when they're not playing well and playing that brand of football that Emma doesn't love but is so effective. (laughs) Like you say, it wasn't a classic, but... No. It was Chelsea performance, maybe, in how they dug it out. I mean,
0: it's Chelsea. Um, Although we were talking about Chelsea and how good they were um last week in the league against uh Leicester, right?
1: Yeah, because um, I was worried. I was worried going into this match that it could be a bashing, yeah. but the way United set out they saw the start as I go. Like, oh. Well, I think United were lucky that Purneel Harder wasn't starting, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah. Um and it's Chelsea. Chelsea for me are the female versions of Real Madrid. They they do really well, they defend really well and then they can just like pounce in those two moments and and beat you two 0 It's not attractive football, but who cares? They're they're winning. They're winning everything. This is their th- third consecutive FA Cup and probably their third consecutive league. Um, and they just they have the players. They've match winners. The problem is next season when they don't have Pernille Harder because we've watched them all season and uh, the you know they've they haven't really impressed. Yes, they're still up there. Yes, they're probably going to win the league, but. Uh, have n't impressed at all, and you know the Champions League is what they were going for because that is the step that they have to get to. And to be honest, they didn't really look like they were ever going to make that. I think they were lucky to to get in and play Paris in the first place. But um, with with regards to United, um, I mean they're they're up there. They're the number one in the league. They they should be going to the FA Cup and, and thinking they can win it absolutely, especially against a team like Chelsea that. You you can score against, you can dominate, but you had two teams that basically, you know, the problem with United is they don't have the killer instinct. They don't have that player that can really turn the screw, that can punish uh, teams. And Chelsea would be more than happy to play against that. They'll soak up the pressure and then they'll they'll go against them in the counter-attack. And I don't think United's defence were up to that. I, I don't think they performed to their best, personally. They didn't shower themselves in glory, put it that way.
2: Are you saying that of individual performers, Anna, or like just? Individual. Yeah, individual
0: in general. I think, um, I think the two centre backs were left quite exposed, but again, they didn't boss it like I've seen them boss games before. Um, especially coming up to the World Cup where, you know, Leticia is trying to show that she should be a starter for England. I don't think she covered herself in glory in that game, um, in the final. But um, in general, I just for me, United were a little bit disappointed for me because they were in control and they just didn't they didn't go for it. They they didn't know how to 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 put Chelsea to bed because they should have in that first half. And what Karen said is right, as soon as they don't score, I could have switched it off at time, and I would have known Chelsea were going to win.
1: Yeah, I think they, like I say, the killer instinct, if they had like a Rachel Daly, they possibly could have made something of that possession. Um, Russo does the donkey work. She did all the press and she did it brilliantly. But then someone to just finish those one or two chances that Chelsea are going to give up to you wasn't there. And Ella wasn't really able to Make any incisive moves. Um, and also, I thought the change in formation didn't really help them all that much either. Like, obviously, you want to get Bagier higher up the pitch as well, but you can do that still. It's probably the best I've seen Nikita Paris in a while. And then to take her off, I don't know if she was the one I would have gone for first. That was yeah, going mean- to be one of the, the so commentators, like the commentators were were pretty
0: hard on on Mark Skinner after the game, saying it was a really bad decision taken to keep usually
1: she is the first sub, so you, you do understand where he's coming from, but in this instance, I felt like something through the middle was a bit yeah, lacking. But this, this is what really frustrates
0: me about managers nowadays, it's like as if they have their subs already before the game they right. have their minutes before the game and that shouldn't be the case, they should be playing what they see. Um, I actually don't really blame Mark Skinner for ta- for taking her off because for me, that team is all about Ona Baggi, I've said it before and it, right, it doesn't really make a difference what formation you play, she can still get high up the pitch no matter where she is um And I think Ona and Lucia Garcia's connection is is just on a different level. So actually, I don't think it was a bad decision. In fact, I probably would have changed Nikita to the left side and brought uh, Lucia Garcia on a little bit earlier when I saw that we were going to have problems. Obviously, you don't want to take Galton off either. But again, who do you want to take off, Nikita Paris or Galton? And for me, it'd be Galton because she does tend to like dip in and out of games, and it needed energy in an attacking sense. And to get Ona involved as much as I, I'd want her, I would have
1: brought Lucy on earlier, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought Parisay was one of Chelsea's better players as well. So maybe switching things up. I think she had the measure of Galton in this game.
0: Yeah, because Galton's not going to try and get past her, like as in mm-hmm. pace wise, try to be her that much, not as much as she should, because that is what Parisay's weakness is. She's too slow to be a mm-hmm. fullback.
2: And to look at, say, Chelsea a little bit in that first half, because like the squad themselves were very, very harsh on them. I think Emma Hayes and Paul Green both said that it was the worst half of FA Cup football they've ever played. Erin Cuthbert, when she was talking about her first half, she was like felt she was very far away from the game in the first half and that she wasn't able to do the best part of her game and get close to players, so that whenever... They went a bit narrower in the second half. That suited her a bit better. And everyone pointed to Harder as being the difference, as Emma said. Did, Emma Hayes also said that she felt like the team were suffering from the fact that they'd played so many games and that they just like everything was off in that first half. And it took someone like Harder coming on who hasn't played as much this season because of injury, um, to bring that sort of precision. What do you guys think about Chelsea's assessment of their first half
1: um, I think it's easy to say that obviously the games do take into consideration but they were brilliant last week and not this week and you can point to fatigue but it wasn't an uncommon Chelsea performance either um, I think I think yeah maybe they were a little bit complacent they think didn't think United would press as high and they thought they would have more space in the middle um, but I mean the squad depth. I think they were never too worried about that. <laughs> I mean, that's no. that's what the difference we've been saying for ages is the squad depth. So
0: yeah, I mean they have played a crazy amount of games, and the the types of games they played has been a bit nuts. But when when you play a cup, an FA Cup final, it doesn't really matter. It all goes out mm. the window because you just your, your your energy levels are so high. So I wouldn't even look into that. Um, I do think Erin Cuthbert looked a little bit lost in there. Um, Usually we're talking about her dominating the midfield and, and that's something she didn't do. She didn't get on the ball. Um Lauren James, I'd like her to stay a little bit wider. Like just even if she's not going to get on the ball because she's coming in and just kind of overloading space, just stretch them a little bit. And I think that's what Pernille Harder does so well. Like for me, you can't even look at Pernille Harder and say she's the best technical footballer. She's not. She, she's a runner and she's leggy. She, she gets away from players. And what she does brilliantly for Chelsea is she makes those runs and she stretches the defense. And that just frees up space for everybody else. Um, she's also very good connect. She has a good connection with Sam Kerr, but just running into those space spaces and unselfish runs, basically. Um, which, which really contributes to the rest of the team. And M. Hayes is going to have to get somebody to, you know, replace that because I don't know if they've announced that in here, but I was watching Spanish TV and they, they announced it that Emper um, Neil Harder and Ericsson were were going to Bayern Munich. So I don't know if, if that was out there or not, but I was thinking, why aren't they talking about this on BBC? It hasn't,
2: yeah, it hasn't been officially announced, but there's been like reports that they've signed. The reports here were that they've signed their close to signing contracts with Bayern Munich, unless there's some sort of like block in their dealings with Chelsea at the moment, unless that changes, they're gone to Bayern Munich. But it seemed pretty certain that they were moving. I'm really surprised that they've chosen
0: Bayern, to be honest, because I thought they would have got they would have gone to Real Madrid. And I'm sure that was an option because I've heard Esther Gonzalez is going to Chelsea, mm. uh, the number nine for Real Madrid. Which means I think, I was thinking maybe there's some kind of deal done there. And why would you not want to go to Real Madrid? Real Madrid, yeah. Spain. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm surprised they're, they're choosing to go to, to... I think
2: a lot of people are surprised that Bayern Munich was the ones who won out in the end in the race for their signatures. Like, I saw that and I was like, surely not. Surely this is a ploy or something for to get a bit more money for a move. I thought they would have gone to Spain, a bit like you. I thought Real Madrid or somewhere. Or else Chelsea would have bought to hold on to them a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if the player doesn't want to stay, Emma Hayes is not the type of manager to to try and convince people. If people, mm. if people uh, say that they want to go or whatever, she's like, yeah, go, then I'll just get someone else in type of thing. That's what she'll do. Um, and you can be sure Emma Hayes already has players like shh. In fact, I know she already has players coming in for next season. That one in particular that I absolutely love. I think she's one of the best in the world, and I hope she names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I heard about Macario, the the Leon player who's coming back in, and I just think she's exceptional, and I think mm-hmm. she would be brilliant for the WSL. So I do hope she goes there, and I think that would be we wouldn't be talking about Prineal Harder <laughs> ever
2: again. <laughs> I think Macario, she's brilliant. Yeah, Macario. I- I saw the recent reports but also when I was reporting for ESPN uh sources told me that um she was really keen on a move to Chelsea at that stage that when she had a year or two under her belt at Leon obviously she had her ACL injury as well that mm-hmm. Chelsea was on on her radar and Emma Hayes had also been in touch with her already about that as a possible move so yeah Definitely wouldn't be surprised. legally. Legally, of course. Yes, legally. <laughs> All in the legal matter. The, the classic uh just being like, oh, you know, you should come over here sometime. And the player's like, oh yeah, maybe I will. Um but you no, know, I knew she was she was keen on that as a move. Um and that's actually one thing I want to ask you, Emma, when you're saying about, you know, Prinella going and the the gap that would be. But considering the amount of injury she has had over the last couple of seasons at Chelsea and the money she commanded when she first came probably is going to still be a pretty nice transfer deal for Chelsea if they can play it right which I actually
0: think I actually think it'd be really good business for Chelsea yeah.
2: um at the end
0: of the day not not nothing to do with injuries or anything like that i just think uh, there's a time and Emma Hayes is really good at at recognizing that time for players when it's time for them to move on. So the fact that they're willing to let them go, I'm going to trust that she thinks it's that time for them. Um and I think there's really good business to be made. There's so many good good players coming up in the La Liga as well and in, in the Spanish league. There's so many good players that could go over and and play um in the WSL and make a really big impact. And um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see how the, the summer sign-ins go and pro, am probably before the World Cup, you know, you don't want to wait till after the World Cup. I hate that. I hate when there's a flush of sign-ins after a World Cup because somebody's played well. It uh, doesn't mean they're, they're being consistent with their club. So I don't need to worry about that with Chelsea because they have been doing extensive research into La Liga as well. So yeah, I'm interested to see the changes that go on.
2: Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting and also that thing of like to, you know, like with the Euros last summer, they kind of waited until after the Barcelona waited until after the Euros for the Lucy Bronze and Kira Walsh and all those big signings. Sometimes these deals are kind of already in the woodwork, but they just don't come out until afterwards. So going Hard here. nowadays, though, to keep things a secret. Hmm. Uh, hands down, the Lucy Bronze one was the only one that I've actually genuinely been surprised. when That was I, last minute. That was yeah. last minute. That that's one. the only one that's actually caught me off guard in recent years or that you haven't heard any sort of like little rumblings of. Um But yeah, a, a disappointing result for United. I actually think it probably does a lot. A lot of neutrals were probably going for United as well just because having three FA Cups in a row is absolutely no fun whatsoever, especially if they're about to do it in the league as well. Although still all to play for there and we will have full assessment of those games at the weekend uh, next Tuesday for all our listeners. Some absolute peaches with Chelsea playing Arsenal and of course the Manchester Derby as well. So very much looking forward to this weekend's games um but coming up next we will be turning our attentions to matters closer to home and we will have Alana Kanan so we often bring a little bit of the premier division to your ears whenever we ask Karen about how she has got on a particular weekend because we just uh Enjoy teasing her or celebrating. In fairness, we do a lot of celebrating of goals and little assists that may or may not have happened over the weekend. (laughs) Um, But this week we decided to, since we are kind of close to the halfway point, to bring in another expert to our midst, Alana Canan, who follows the league very closely so that we can... Spread our wings out, ask P Mount. Uh, although we will, of course, touch on them as well. Karen, promise we won't. Right. We won't let you slide that easily. Alana, how are you
3: doing? Good. Coinc- coincidentally, coincides with Sligo's first win, so people are going to be calling for a bit of a, I don't know, a rigged, rigged call there. I can't believe this wasn't at all planned whatsoever,
2: <laughs> and doesn't give us actually, I mean, an interesting enough place to start because Sligo Cork that was bottom of the table clash neither side with a win Sligo I mean they did win but uh, I don't know what you exactly say it was entirely convincingly what would you make of Sligo's season because I don't think there was much expectation last year with the fact that first time in the league but the club itself has made quite a big kind of showing of the idea that it does want to be a competitive team and haven't really seen that this season with on only their first win
3: yeah, I like that game was a massive game for both of them really um Cork as well have obviously been kind of struggling. I think Saigo have some good players. They're just kind of struggling to kind of get them all working cohesively. Like Emma Doherty and I think uh, Howe has been a great addition as well this year. Um, but yeah, as you say, like they just haven't been putting together their performances. I think Cork, then on the other hand, it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of people were tipping them to go on and push on after they had a great end of the season last year. Um, but they just haven't kind of capitalised on that and like even though they can perform for certain periods like they were a nil-nil against Shamrock Rovers for the entire first half then full time comes around and it's 5 nil. Shamrock Rovers go home with like it is just the consistency that they're really struggling with and uh, yeah something I'm sure they're looking to work on going into the rest of the season yeah, I think with
1: like it's it's their goal scoring because, like I said, they can stay in the match for a long period of time, but they don't make any use of that. They they did put Rovers under pressure for large periods, and they couldn't convert it. And then once they go a goal down, it seems like that's that's it. We can't go get back into this game, um, except for against us. <laughs> um, but they they're not as bad a team as as the league table is is showing at the moment, but something does need to change in terms of that mindset and how they get their attacking lines firing
2: yeah I mean you don't I think the thing with Cork and I think it's been talked about so much over the last couple of years because a lot of people question why it's not one of the more successful teams considering you know the footballing heritage that is. there's one small name of Denise O'Sullivan coming from Cork is, and the fact that like the club itself hasn't been able to utilize as well the bigger names from the county and the city and use that to their advantage to build more of a, I suppose, just a general legacy for themselves. And especially because they are coming from one of the bigger population areas, you know, when you compare it to the likes of, I don't know, an Anathlone or something, who are probably performing above themselves. Alana, from what you've watched over the last couple of seasons, why is it that Cork hasn't been able to, I suppose, tap into that a little bit more? I know there's been various issues over the years.
3: Yeah, I'd say it's probably the same thing Galway and Sligo kind of struggle with. And without going too, I don't know, into actual society thing, like sure, even the likes of, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking like Sarah McEvitt, obviously um, used to play with Cork or in the tip, from around the Tipperary area, and then obviously moves to Dublin. Um, a lot of the WNL teams seem to kind of struggle with that. And I suppose like geography even there like I know a lot of clubs would um, have been jumping at the chance to get Emma Doherty this summer from Sligo but she's tied in there on that um, college deal with ATU uh, Sligo so like it's those kind of things that keep players in the area um, instead of opting for maybe a Dublin club um, or that kind of way And That's way um, to go we, we spoke talking. about
0: that didn't we we spoke about Education, like the Cork City, I mean, they've got great universities. They could step up here and and help the the football and community out. That's the way to do it. Academies, universities, attract the players there and and
3: build around
0: that. We've said it before.
3: It's a great way to go. I think there is a bit of a connection in there in Cork is already, but again, like you're saying, it's about capitalising on that. I and mean, that's like saying we had a connection when I played for
1: UCD Waves. We used their gym. Essentially.
0: I, I was going to say, Alana, you weren't convincing. There's a bit of a connection.
1: No, there's a no. huge connection. No, <laughs> they offer full to scholarship. Yeah, yeah. It has to be to that level if it's going to work. It can't just be like a cursory, here's part of our name, or you can use our facilities. They actually have to have a collaboration there for it to work.
3: But then I guess in the same breath, it's kind of like you look at Trudy and again, like if you look at the table, you'd be saying, what's this one on about? But they've really improved this season under um, Haiza. Like I know he came from Peas, and that's where uh, he kind of earned his stripes, I guess, in the women's game in Ireland. But like they're... They were getting hockeyed last season and, okay, they still had um results there. You know, the Shamrock Rovers 6-0 and the Athlone Town 8-0. But I actually looked it up and their goal difference is a lot better this year. So they were minus 32 at this point last year and minus 17 um this year. Again, though, like Karen was mentioning with Cork, their main problem seems to be actually scoring goals. But I think there's something to look at if you're looking at how you can... Basically work with what you got, and um, that's one way to go, and even an interesting one they have a lot of uh Canadian a big Canadian contingent there in Trudy. uh so uh there's five of them there, I think down in Limerick. Well, uh, what is that all about by the way yeah
1: oh, I just saw that Kira McCormack had signed um and I was I, I don't know did Mary Curtin have something to do with that um but then she brought some mates with her.
3: Yeah, there's, there's five of them down there. I was actually, uh, looking it up. And then like, there seems to be a, a like that kind of people try, tend to try and get a few, um, American players over as well. But like, if they can just build on that alongside like they have young talent there and Cara Griffin, who I think has been very good and Grace McInerney, if they can build on that and again, kind of keep not conceding goals and then just pick up a striker, a prolific one somewhere along the way, they'll uh, go well as well this season.
2: Yeah, it was Mary Curtin that had the, she contact, we talked to her on Off the Ball and she contacted Kira McCormick and said, oh, I heard you're looking to play some football. Would you come, would you be interested? Coming over to Ireland, bringing a bit of experience, coaching a little bit as well with the younger players and also if there's anyone else that wants to come and live in lovely Limerick for a little while, please bring them along. So yeah, kind of interested to see what Mary does down there because I we interviewed her on Koi Gig and she was talking about how her coaching experiences and wanting to get into it a bit more and I thought like Karen I know you were there for that interview Emma I don't think you joined us at that stage but um she was really interested and she seemed very very passionate about bringing smaller teams and developing them a bit more and like the different she had quite a clear plan how she wanted to do that so if anyone wants to listen to that episode. You can catch it in your Koy gig feed, and then one of the other teams that you pointed out uh, alongside Treaty that you thought were having a more impressive sit, uh, season than expected was Galway. Is that because of their season? Is that because of everything that happened towards the end of last season? What What have you seen in them?
3: Yeah, it's quite a, an interesting one. I don't quite know what you put it down to because I know I've even listened to a few players' interviews and they're asked, you know, do you think it's the difference between Galway Galway WFC and Galway United that's kind of incited this? And they all kind of tend to say no. But, I mean, they've also had that change in manager from Phil Trill to... Or, two full-throw for Amala Murphy. And um I think he's kind of brought about a different kind of playing style for them. But fourth in the table for them, level with shells and three points off the top spot. I think they would have bitten your hand off for that at start of the season. Kind of went and done that loan, which is nearly a verb now <laughs> in the Women's National League. And yeah, they kind of just, um again, are using what they've got. Jenna Slattery there after winning Player of the Month I think she's been very good for them and linking up there with Jem McGuinness, who of course they got from Sligo. So considering they're doing all of that as well, without the likes of Julianne Russell, of course, who had lots of experience, and then Chloe Singleton and Shauna Brennan, who went to Atlone, there is um a lot to be said for yeah, what they're doing down there there down there in Galway.
1: Build them up too much for playing them next week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: Even though a mount a P-Mount-Golwin match can go either way, really, can't it? Like, going off uh, pass form. One time we just bottled the entire league against them.
1: Come on, give us some credit. The other times we were fine. <laughs> <laughs> the one that sticks out in everyone's memory. I know they're a good side. I think Gemma McGuinness is um, a very, very, very good signing for them. She's an excellent player. Um, especially considering the loss of Chloe Singleton. She's kind of like a marquee player for them to get. So, yeah, um, but, yeah, I don't think it's the switch from Galway women to Galway United. I think it's a lot to do with Phil Trill um, and how he set them up and he's getting the most from them, has a, an actual style of play, whereas before maybe they were leaning on the players a bit much to to drag the younger ones along. Um, but now I think they have a definite um, structure to how they play. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I do think it'll be quite a close match with us uh, next week. There's nothing really between the top teams at the moment, so...
3: You'll have to you'll have to be on high alert there, Karen, for the corners. I watched all Galway's goals just leading up to this. And a lot of them are from corners, so you'll be under pressure there anyways.
1: Don't give them away. Not right, Emma? <laughs>
0: <laughs> give them away. I used to love corners. No, no, no. Marking up. No, don't mark her. Let her let her come up to me. <laughs> um Neve Reed Burke is your goalkeeper, Karen. Yeah. She's she's all right in there, so
1: Ah yeah, she's grand. She has a great spring. <laughs> there'd be no one bully her in there anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> At <That's> your peril. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: and a lot, as you mentioned, like I mean, the whole first half of the table is like pretty much very competitive. Still, Piemont on top. Not that Karen likes us to mention it too much. On twenty-two points, Shamrock Rovers a point behind. Then Shelburne and Galway nineteen bows on eighteen. Athlone a little bit more behind there on fifty or thirteen points. Sorry. Um, so do you think this is something that we've talked about a lot in recent years and I know like even when we talked to you at the end of the season last year how competitive the league is getting at the halfway point now do you think there will be a pull away there from a couple of the teams or do you think this is where the league is at now
3: I think it definitely is becoming more competitive I mean at loan kind of broke the mold there last season because obviously there used to be that big three in the WNL mm-hmm. Shells, Peas, and Wexford but uh, again like you have Shamrock Rovers coming in there like messing everything up on everyone I guess and then uh, Galway coming out of nowhere too so then all of a sudden you know you've what's that six Six teams that are all kind of vying for it there. And even like I'd say the likes of Wexford would have been kind of disappointed with how they've performed so far this season. You know, getting Rihanna Jarrett back, they signed Emily Corbett. They obviously have Kylie Murphy and Kira Rosser there too. So plenty up top, but probably more so up down the back is their problem so far this season. Only the one clean sheet alone as well. Yeah, it's kind of push on from last season. So yeah, there's definitely plenty of competition there anyways um, I guess as well I'll, I know I'll be interested to hear what Karen has to say but the likes of Peas and Shells especially would have had a lot to go out trying to prove a point especially given everything that went on with Shamrock Rovers so um, I'm sure that's something they want to continue to push on and kind of uh, combat because um, yeah obviously Shamrock Rovers had a dream team selection there and um I'm sure we'll be looking to go on and uh win it in the first season. They're yet to lose a match, but uh P is still top of the table. <laughs> and yeah. Karen smiles proudly. <laughs> for anyone who was listening to this on podcast,
2: Karen is just sitting there beaming away to her herself. Yeah, I interviewed both um Abby Larkin and Stephanie Roach last week for various different things. One was the World Cup presentation that was on. That was quite fun getting to see the World Cup trophy. Um, But they were just saying how much Shamrock Rovers were dreading playing in Athlone. And you can kind of see that in the result. It was a 1-0 win to them. And Karen, I know that's a a pitch before that you have also mentioned. You do not enjoy playing on whatsoever. Uh, It's
1: just very bouncy, very big and
2: very bouncy.
1: (laughs) 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 Um, It's in the air a lot in those games. So it's just kind of one of those games as a midfielder that sometimes it can... Bypass you a little bit, so I don't. I don't love it, but um, it suits some teams, doesn't suit, mm. it's some it's, doesn't suit
3: others. It's um artificial. Yeah. How is that allowed? People will be saying the same for. How, how is that allowed?
0: <laughs> I don't understand how that. I mean, we're talking about ACL injuries and stuff like that. One of the biggest things is changing from grass to uh
1: artificial. That's one yeah, of the things. We played them in the first game of the season and they would played the President's Cup the week before there. And I could visibly notice gashes on the opposition's legs, like from that shells match that they played. Like it's, it, it's like when the girls play on the rugby pitch, you're like, well, it's, it's not great for the body in any way. But, um, I suppose it's their, their Athlone Town Stadium. I think the men must play there as well. So it is what it is.
2: Oh, and I think for the sake of everyone's legs, hopefully it gets changed sometime soon, although things don't move all that fast. I'd be happy if they just made it smaller. To be <laughs> <It's> <laughs> not to <on> as much. <laughs> and Alana, I was curious. We have discussed a lot in the podcast. Is obviously the World Cup It's happening this summer. I don't know if anyone knew that. And who hinders for getting it. And something you've also pointed out, a lot is probably the last representation from the league, um, and how we hope that it gets to a stage where there is a bit more and it's a bit more competitive and the likes. You wanted to point out some people that you thought were kind of performing well and maybe might be able to begin with the shout.
3: Yeah, it is kind of a tough one because as you say, like there is such competition in the uh, Women's National Team squad, which is obviously a brilliant team. And obviously we're seeing more and more women's Premier Division players go overseas and compete at a higher level in order to break into that team. So you kind of have to combat that too. But I guess if you're looking at the Women's National League and who you think might be going. Obviously, you'd think Anya Gorman would be a given. It'll be interesting to see Will Savannah McCarthy sneak back in there, coming back off the injury. And then Abby Larkin, who you'd be looking at, who probably would have been more so a favorite to get in there when she was back at Shell. She hasn't quite lit it up for Shamrock Rovers just yet, but someone who has is uh, Jamie Thompson. I think though, the one thing that could stand against her maybe is she hasn't got that uh, senior cap to her name yet. So you think it might be a bit too late, but she's definitely been um, standout for Shamrock Rovers so far this year. Uh, Jesse Sapleton just back at the weekend there after an injury. But again, you'd think there'd be kind of too much competition there in the middle of the park. Uh, Taro Hanlon, again, another shout there for peas, But um, other than that... Yeah, it's 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 going to be hard for them to break in, but um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe a Karen Doug and come back three goals and three team of the week so far.
1: No thanks. <laughs> You're me given out about the size of the pitch. We went right. down to ten men at the weekend, and I I cannot walk now. I can't mm-hmm. simply cannot walk. <laughs> so no, that won't be happening. I think
0: it's really difficult for anyone thinking they might get in in the oh. squad to be quite honest. I think yeah. it's kind of, I think quite, unless somebody gets injured, I think it's it's our you know it's pretty
1: much done. Yeah, and I I think for the girls themselves, the the sooner the squad is named, the better because I think that there is players putting themselves under undue pressure at the moment, um, and maybe overdoing it a bit and. Uh, it, it's 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 going to be their detriment. It was kind of like when the pressure wasn't on, they were performing much better because you know it's just especially the younger girls, like something like that can get in your head a little bit. So but the sooner the squad is announced, probably the better for everyone.
2: Especially announced until after the France game, I think, or just before it. So still, yeah, but we'll have a fair
1: like... idea, I think, from yeah the selection. Oh so.
2: yeah, definitely. Like if someone gets a random call in into that squad, that's probably going to. Like, where did that name come out of? Um, but yeah, I don't think that'll happen. No, I, I I don't think
1: anyone who hasn't been involved from the league um, will will be called in at this point. Um, just because you do talk about testing yourself against the highest opposition, and it would be too much of a risk to do that at a World Cup, I think. Just a bit. Just a little bit.
2: We'll replay that clip when the actual squad comes out and see if you're right or wrong, Karen.
1: <laughs> Well, Alana- I hope I'm wrong, but... <laughs> I
2: don't think so alana thank you so much for joining us this evening uh always a pleasure to have you on the podcast even just for a little bit more sligo representation Emma and karen thank you as always for your great insights uh we will be back next tuesday as i was saying earlier with all the wsl action two absolutely massive title defining champions league defining games and uh, there'll be some happy faces and some sad faces most likely on this podcast after those games. So thank you all for listening and we will see you all next week.
0: The Koigig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.